Hello, it's Charlie, and welcome to another Coffee Sode edition of They Don't Teach This in Law School. Uh, during this episode, I want to talk about setting expectations. It's a topic of conversation that's come up frequently recently with a lot of my coaching clients uh, during consulting days. And so I want to share some insight gleaned from working with people who you'd recognize as personal high performers who are struggling with how do I install that higher level of performance within my firm. And the commonality here is people who are personal high performers, but you would also categorize as good people. And the first point that I want to make on this coffee sode, which by the way, if you don't know why it's called a coffee sode, it's because one, I'm drinking a cup of coffee right now, and two, this is designed to be enjoyed over your favorite morning beverage uh, or just uh, during a quick break while you are at the office. Just a little bit of wisdom in between uh, core interview episodes. So this complication between being a nice person, a good person, someone we see as a good person, and a personal high performer is a lot of times personal high performers have this issue where they they know that people see them as a high performer, and that can actually at times rub others the wrong way. You, know, you don't want to be seen as, say, bull-nosed, hard-charging, and demanding, because in the past... When you project that image, chances are you got a negative reaction. Additionally, if you're good at, say, sales within your law firm, you incorporate, I'm guessing, some level of affability and likability into your pitch, so that way people are naturally attracted to working with you. So how do we handle these competing interests? First off, you are running a business and how you sell is not always the same way that you manage. They can't be completely misaligned, mind you. Uh, it's a point of wisdom that I learned from my friend Brian Kurtz over in the Titans group, uh, Titans Accelerator, which I, I do recommend that group. I talked about it in last week's Coffee Sode. And he talks about alignment. If, say, you're an organization that uh, teaches people that you shouldn't be doing phone selling, yet you're trying to sell people into your program via phone sales, that's misalignment. It means that the selling will likely fail. You won't be able to sell your program because it just it doesn't, it doesn't fit philosophically. So you can't be too divergent between what you do in the wider world and uh, then how you set expectations within your law firm. But if you know how to set expectations for yourself, you know how to set expectations for others because chances are you likely experienced some outside influence that helped you increase your own expectation. The difference is you may be someone who is intrinsically motivated on those expectations. And frankly, you have a large extrinsic motivator in the business itself. The buck stops with you. This, by the way, is where we come to a key idea of how a law firm does or does not grow. If you are always the one living up to the expectation of rescuing the business, of making sure that there's money in the bank, that is your limitation because you are only expecting yourself to achieve that, you will be able to achieve it. You can drive a firm up to, say, seven figures on your own expectations of yourself alone, but without having higher expectations of others, there comes a hard stopping point in the practice's growth. Now, this means you can tuck in, you can have a nice super profit practice. There's still a lot that you can do with a high earning 
uh, personal income practice. But if we're talking about magnifying growth, constructing systems, uh, getting to that multi-million dollar level, that's not going to be done on your intrinsic motivation or even your extrinsic motivation. It needs to be uh, combining intrinsically motivated individuals, people who like to achieve with achievements for them to hit. So both their intrinsic motivators, which may be their sense of self-worth, we're not going to get too deep into that, combined with you applying actual expectations, both numerically and through the culture, the values, and the leadership that you display within the firm. Now, one of the major hangups that I see in setting expectations is you might look at a number you expect someone to hit, like, oh, you know, uh, that person needs to get demands sent out within 30 days after uh, after collecting all the medical bills after MMI, right? So you set that expectation. You think about your own past when it was just you and you go, I mean, usually it took me a couple of months to get them out there. I don't know that I could do that. And all of a sudden you're shying away and you're telling them, I don't know, take 60 days. Even though 30 days is the expectation that you want to set, you tell them 60 days or maybe 90 days instead because you couldn't do that. That's not the purpose of that individual being on your team. Their purpose is not to work to the standard you had when you were a busy solo attorney trying to do everything in the practice. That's not the expectation. They are given an opportunity to specialize and be great, and they need a number to hit because if they don't have a number to hit, it's the goldfish thing, right? It's the the goldfish expands according to the size of its environment. If you give them unlimited time to accomplish, they will take unlimited time to accomplish. If you give them 30 days to accomplish, they will do everything they can to accomplish it within 30 days. Then we get to the Teddy Roosevelt of it all. It's actually Teddy Roosevelt's father, Theodore Roosevelt Sr. When he would leave the house, he would, uh, he would say to his wife, mind you, they obey the first order. When you set expectations in the practice, the hardest part is the first time that you have to tell someone they didn't meet expectations. That was the number. We didn't hit it this time. How do we hit it next time? There's your starting framework for on how to have that conversation. The discussion doesn't need to be punitive. It does not need to be a penalty. The first time you have the discussion, it can be as simple as right now we're averaging 45 days to get our demands out the door. How do we get that down to 30? Now let's have a discussion. Let's figure out. Maybe there's something in the practice that you don't know about. Maybe the system is clunky. Maybe the company that you went and hired to do medical records retrieval is not living up to their end of the bargain, and we need to rebuild that process. But now you actually know it because you went and had the discussion because you set the expectation. If you don't set expectations, you'll never have that form of discovery. You'll be on uh, an endless loop, a hamster wheel of wondering why things aren't working better. And wonder and better, those are subjective. You need objective metrics. And these metrics should stretch you. They should stretch your team. When we install a new set of expectations in a practice I'm working with, my default is let's look at somewhere between the last 90 days to three years of productivity or numbers. And obviously, that's a huge time range. It depends on what the expectation is. For example, 
if our expectation is how much content should we be publishing as part of the marketing plan, we may only need to look at the last 90 days to understand what our baseline is, as opposed to if we're looking at average case value as trying to improve the average case value, we probably need to look at the last three years of data in a personal injury firm or uh, average billable hours, looking at the last year worth of billable hours to establish a baseline expectation among our team members. And then we increase that number. So when we're setting new expectations, it's not enough to expect the team to do what they've been doing because inevitably, if I'm coming into a law firm, there's a reason I'm there. There's a reason I'm coaching the entrepreneurial law firm owner. There's a reason I'm there for the consulting day. It's because we know expectations are not being met in some form or fashion. Either we don't have any real expectations set down. We're, we're essentially running the firm by its existing emotional state, which is your emotional state combined with the emotional states of everyone in the firm. And we're not saying firmly, this is what has to get done, this amount by when. And in doing so, or in this case, not doing so, we're failing the team as leaders. They need to know their boundaries. You want team members to be successful. It's not just about the rah-rah build them up. It's about letting them know what they have to achieve in order to earn their place on the team. Great sports teams, people who are playing in the pros, if you can't maintain the batting average, you're going to go. Even if we really like you in the clubhouse, you got to go because we know fundamentally we can find someone who has that ability to fit in in the clubhouse and has the batting average. By the way, you should know that the talent that you want to stock your firm of people who can meet the numbers and live up to the cultural expectations, they exist. I don't care where you are. They exist because... Not only do we have local talent, we have remote talent, virtual talent. We also have companies that we can work with to patch holes or handle significant portions of how the practice operates. All that requires is a certain amount of imagination. But getting back to setting expectations. So we deal with this. I, I don't know that I could do that. How can I assign a number to that person? Well, your job is to figure out what the baseline is, raise that by, say, 20%. And then say, I know we can achieve this. I know that we can work more efficiently. I'm going to lead you all. I'm going to provide the guidance, the encouragement, the coaching to get to that place. So instead of us signing 10 new clients per month, we're going to sign 12 new clients per month. And we know what we have to do. We know that we have to get more leads and we know that we have to improve our intake. We have to improve our process of getting people to sign and faster. And we're going to get 12 new signups. And as soon as we start getting 12 new signups, great. We're going to do 15 new signups per month. And by the way, now we're going to start closing 10 cases per month as we start moving through our inventory. And eventually that, that number starts to catch up more and more and more with the number of cases signed. Now in a growing practice, by the way, in terms of expectation setting, my expectations for you, the number of cases that you sign each month if you are growing, is greater than the number of cases that you close each month. It, we can establish numbers of equilibrium. For example, you're bringing in 20 clients per month and you're closing 20 matters per month. But if you really are committed to growth and moving faster, you might be, say, signing 25 clients per month while closing 20 matters. 
setting that expectation of the firm. Now, there are two types of expectations that we want to set. There are outcome expectations and process expectations. Outcome expectations are, say, the number of clients signed or the number of matters closed. There's almost this I don't care how we get there. We just got to get there. That's the outcome that I want. Then there are process expectations. These are the number of social media posts we're going to do in a week. Uh, these are the number of outbound referral touches we're going to do. This is how many hours we expect you to put in on billable requirements each week. These are all process oriented numbers as opposed to the larger outcome. And this is where we have to balance the idea of sometimes we're just achieving the outcome and we're going to figure out how to get there versus sometimes it's follow the process, trust the process, and you will get there. More than anything else within all of these ideas, you need to know that setting expectations, higher expectations is valuable. Your team wants to achieve their untapped potential. And if you don't set the expectations, they will go back to their, their minimum selves. They will revert to the mean. And you are building a place for them to perform, for them to realize professional goals that they would not realize other places. Some of them don't even dream of professional goals until they get into your firm and see what is possible working in a small business that is committed to helping people and making great money in the process. It is a privilege to work at your law firm. It is a privilege to be pushed. It is a privilege to meet expectations, to grow, to expand, to make yourself better. If you are constructing that environment and you're telling people, I know what is possible and I know that you can achieve it, some people are going to fall out. And that's the other hard part about raising the expectation. Some people won't make the cut. This is where we get into the discussion of the difference between being the patriarch of your firm and the slash matriarch and being the captain of your firm. You are not running a family. Stop thinking of your law firm as this is we're like a family. This is a family environment. Families are messed up. <laughs> All of us, even the best of us. We, we are reacting to emotions. We really care about how people feel. And that's important in your family. You care about how your kids feel. You care about how your spouse feels. You care about how your parents feel. That's not what your law, that's not the gap your law firm is supposed to fill in someone's life. This is where you need to be the captain. You have a mission and people have to live up to that mission. And if someone can't uh, you know, tie the rigging. I don't know boat metaphors well enough, but you know, if someone can't tie the rigging in time or well enough, they're endangering other members of the crew. And the next time that you hit port, they have to go. They have to be replaced for someone who can do the job. It's not enough again for everyone to just like that person. They need to be able to do the job. When you start becoming the captain, your job is not to cater to the emotional ups and downs. Your job is to say, we have a mission. My job is to take care of everyone here, not each of you as individuals, but you as the collective. And if I see someone become the weak link, I have to replace them. And if you are unwilling to do that, everyone else is going to start relaxing. Everyone else is going to say, well, I guess, I, I mean, look, if, if Jack over there doesn't have to work that hard, I guess I'm going to stop working as hard. And all of a sudden, the whole thing falls apart. 
You have every right, reason, and even responsibility to set higher expectations. This is one of the things I do consulting days with coaching clients, but I want you to hear this message more than anything else, that it's time for you to become the captain. And the captain knows what the mission is. The captain knows what the people are supposed to do. And the captain continually reinforces when it is is good enough and when it is not good enough. Now, see, you're not going to be a pirate captain that only tells people when they're messing up. You're going to be the type of captain that says, that is how it is done. I am proud of you for being able to make that accomplishment. See how hard work pays off. And in your firm, hard work pays off. It is not that they are the most brilliant writer, right? It's not that they just simply craft these these moments of magic. It's that they put in hard work. And when we recognize and reward hard work, when we reward that process, you will get great outcomes. So set higher expectations. Know that it's okay. Know that it's okay for people to not match up with those and to leave. Because here's the flip side. What if other people come in and they have high expectations of what they could achieve and you're not driven enough as a unit, as a firm, for them to recognize their goals? You're going to lose your best talent that way. They're going to walk out the door. They're going to go to a place that does expect more of them. High performers want to be in a space where more is expected of them. Learn to expect more and you will attract them. As a final note, let me give a shout out to whoever's username is SCJS77 uh, on Apple Podcasts, left the most recent five-star review. Uh, he says, from big picture ideas to light bulb aha moments all the way to in the weeds descriptions, how to run the business and tools he uses to make his job and life easier. You will walk away with something actionable to apply to your law firm with every episode. Keep up the great work. Uh, whoever that is. Thank you so much. Those reviews, I have always said throughout this show, uh, I read them, I appreciate them, and they help grow the audience so we can get additional people onto the podcast, uh, so that way we can keep expanding what we do here at Law Firm Alchemy and focus on providing not only the most amazing coaching services and courses for law firm owners like you, but also keep leveling up what is possible from the content we push out through podcast, through YouTube, through all these other channels. So that way we can bring up the entire profession and all of the people, the entrepreneurs, the job creators, the community leaders, folks like you who just happen to be law firm owners. So if you're willing to, let me call you out, leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this show, it makes a huge, huge difference. I'm eternally grateful for all of you who have left reviews. Uh, They mean the world. And uh, let's keep going and setting higher expectations for ourselves and for the people around us. I'll see you in the next episode of They Don't Teach Us in Law School.